All right, so, well, in AA, they talk about obsession with self as the root of the problem, you know? And I think, I'm pretty sure, I haven't looked in and found out, but I think in the book it says that we are not people with problems, but we are the problem. Yeah, pretty sure it's somewhere in there. So, when you did drugs or drank, did you ever become what you did? You never became coke, did you? No. No. There was always a separation. So no matter how much I drank, I never became alcohol. No matter how much I did drugs, I never become the, became the drug I did. Yeah, there was a, a certain demarcation that wasn't crossed. No matter how strong the obsession was, it was always felt that I was obsessed with that. Yeah? So the I and that were different. Um, my little hypothesis in AA is that I don't believe the root of the problem is obsession with self. I believe the root of the problem is identification as self. Now, it may sound semantics, but it's usually different, because from my point of view, the obsession with self is how the mind reinforces the identification as self. So if your head was always talking about you, it would be easy to take that you to be you. If you had a giant propaganda or like a K-Paul, a radio station that was you all the time, actually me really, 24-7, there would be easy to fall into the idea that you were that which the mind is suggesting and inferring and assuming and pointing at. Yeah, the, all the thoughts are usually, they're either coming from you or they're about you. Either you're the thinker or you're, or you're what's thought. Yeah, you can, it can switch in one second to the other. You could be, you can believe you're the thinker of these thoughts and then you can believe that you're the object of the thoughts. That the thoughts are about you. Yeah, it switches, switches. So, if you read, if that is true, even if it doesn't say that in a book, I'm saying it, that we are the problem. The only way you and I could be the problem and for it to be, for there to be a, an availability of a solution would be identification, which means you're actually not the problem, but you're identified as it, yeah? So, with the drugs and with the drinking, I never became coke. But I'm saying we start from the point of the disease. We're already in, we're already in the bondage of self, yeah? When we're attempting to get out of it. And in a sense, if you're identified as that which you're trying to get out of, that would be self trying to get out of self. It's a very common statement in AA that that's a, that's a failed system. Yeah? Self can't get out of self. Yeah? So if I try to stop thinking about myself, that's thinking about myself. You know what I mean? It just yeah. goes on and on. There's never a point where it works. It just goes back, 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 back. It'll, it's like a slinky. It just goes... Ugh. And it's, you can't, it never gets to a point where it shifts. Yeah? So self can't get out of self. So in the book it says a really important statement on page 64. Uh, I think it's 64. And it's, they're getting to go into the inventory process. Yeah? And it says, at the first part of the page it talks about looking at your life like a, like a business. So you do an inventory, you see what's unsaleable and what you need to throw out and this and that. Yeah. So in that idea, which sort of is like the, uh, the ringing of the third step, I used to use a little uh, example where, let's say I have a clothes store. 
Yeah. And uh, this clothes store is doing pretty good. I have a good living. I have a nice girlfriend, nice place. I got the place really clean and neat, you know, everything lined up. And then I get an idea that bell, bo- you know, um, elephant bells were going to come back. So I bought about a thousand elephant bells, you know, with, you know, those really huge things. We had them in the late 60s, early 70s <laughs> when I was growing up. <laughs> so I bought these thousand pants and I have them there and I put them right in the front and I have a little flyer, you know, a little thing about them. elephant bells, but no one's buying them, you know, no one. I give one to my girlfriend, one of the days I'm not at the store, she returns them to someone else there. So I still have a thousand of these pants and uh, it's preying on me, it's playing with me in my head. I, I am a terrible store owner, you know, how could I have bought these pants, and on and on, you know how this, that the mind gets on it. And so I'm starting to lose, I don't, I'm, my stuff isn't hung up well, I'm not vacuuming the store, I'm sort of like, oh, what the hell, you know, and people are stealing from it, I don't even chase them, and I go home and I don't want to tell my girlfriend the condition of the store, and I can't sell anything anymore, because I'm afraid it would threaten our relationship. She may, may want to. She may want to leave me if I don't have enough, you know, financial security. So I'm not talking to her. People I owe money to keep calling the store. I don't answer it because you know all it is is creditors. So a guy walks in, or it could be a woman walks into the store and says, "Hey, I'm interested in buying the store." And I say, "Glad. Where do I sign?" And so I sign the contract, and I'm leaving. And the guy goes, no, 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 it's going to look just like it did yesterday, but there's going to be one difference, yeah? You're not the boss anymore, you're not the owner. And so I now I work for that thing. And so now I clean up and I go home, I, actually the phone rings, I pick it up in the first ring, and the guy on the other end goes, hey, is this the owner? I go, no, I hand it over to this new guy. I go home, I can tell my girlfriend everything, because the threat isn't there anymore. It's not on me, so to speak. That's the spirit of the third step, yeah? When you turn your will and your life over, it's like you're turning over, you're turning your will and life over to the care of something, yeah? It's not like you're turning it over, but you're turning it over to the care, yeah? Just like if when we put my mother in a senior citizen home, we, we, we turned her over to the care of those people, yeah? We didn't totally have no connection with her anymore. We had a lot of connection, but she couldn't take care of herself, so now she's on the care. Well, we obviously can't take care of ourselves. We may be really good in certain aspects, but we don't process life well. A lot of resentments and anxiety and all like that. So that's like the spirit of it. And now it says, okay, after you look at this, your inventory process, or you're going to look at it like an inventory of a business, it says a really important statement. It says, all right, being convinced, and if you read the book, the, you know, the first 164 pages, stop where it says convinced. It's an important point, you know. There's a lot of them, and a lot of people go over every word in the book. I forgot a lot of that, but I know convinced is an important point. So it says, being convinced, which means to believe with certainty, that self manifested in various ways. I always like to do this because it's, it's the self manifested in all these different ways. So there's this one aspect called self, yeah? But it manifests in a lot of different ways. So it may be difficult to know it by its manifestations, yeah? Because the manifestations may not look like they're coming from self. But we're saying self 
manifested in all these ways. So there's only one source where the manifestations are coming from, and a lot of manifestations. Yeah. So self manifests in various ways is what has defeated us. So the us is us, yeah, and the self, and then the manifestations. Yeah. So okay, very clearly, self can't be us. Obviously, if self manifested in all these ways has defeated us, we can't be self. Yeah, because how could it defeat us? <laughs> because it already says self and us. Yeah. <laughs> I may be really insane because this always sounds so logical to me. I can't understand how, you know, it's, people like don't seem to get it, but what the hell. <laughs> That's not my, my uh, job. My job is just to sit here and share. Really. <laughs> and it may be coming to an end. Who knows the way it's looking today. So self manifests in various ways is what has defeated us. Okay? You're convinced of that. Very important point. It says, all right, you convinced that. Okay, now we're going to look at self's common manifestations in one's life. In the next paragraph, it starts with the word resentment. So if you follow the logic, resentment is an expression or a manifestation of self in one's life. Yeah? And if you ask, if you get 50 people who are in the program in this room who've been coming for a while, or 800 people, and you ask them what self defeated them, they'd all have the same answer. And that would be myself. Yeah? So what is, so self, the def, self isn't what defeats us, it's the claiming of self or the identification of self, yeah? So when, when this, whatever this may be, becomes identified with this mental idea called self, it's now open to the, the, to the defeat of self, yeah? As soon as I become identified with the self, that opens me up to be defeated by it. Because now, self is going to be where I seem to be, manifesting right through me. And as it's manifesting through me, my understanding is, they're mine. Yeah? So these are my resentments, these are my this, they're my that, they're my thoughts, they're my this. So all of these things, they have the perfect... Uh, invisibility uh, sheath, in a sense, because we claim them to be ours, yeah? Which, that can't be more identified than that. You can't be more identified than when something is moving through you that's not you, you keep calling it you, yours, yeah? That's the act of being identified. For me, that's the root of the whole problem, yeah? Alcoholism is one certain subdivision of self-centeredness, it's a it's a nasty one and it's a prolific one and it's a, and it paints with large strokes yeah so it's easily recognized but it's the original real the real disease is identification as self yeah? and most people are in that disease yeah they're taking what they are to be something that they're not yeah even though every second of the day, consciousness, or like they say in AA, conscious contact, the way they use it, I think, in AA is more like as an activity to try to produce uh, uh, contact with a higher power. But I see conscious contact as what's happening here. So what is conscious contact? I would say, you could say it's consciousness and contact. Yeah? So that's what brings us a life. Consciousness, not you or me. Consciousness. Yet, 
we witness or we, we reflect it or we're aware of that consciousness all day, but we don't seem to think it could possibly be us. We keep thinking it's something I have, something I, I was unconscious for a while, now I'm getting more conscious. It's, it's, like a, it's, it's like a claimed activity instead of maybe what precedes all activity, yeah? which is the seeing of things. If I didn't, no matter how far I go back, even when I'm sitting here, so let's say I go back, seeing, seeing, go back here, feel the skin, go back even farther, see the thoughts in the head, have some sensations in the body, keep going back farther, the thoughts, the feelings, this and that. I can never get behind consciousness. I'm, I, me, as this idea, can never get behind consciousness and have an experience of consciousness. Consciousness is the provider of all experiences. Yeah? You're awake today, and therefore you're having experiences. If you were out cold, you wouldn't be having any experiences. Yeah? That would be a state of being totally unconscious. When you're conscious, that affords you the possibility of having an experience. Yeah? I don't see that it's a big leap to maybe take consciousness or spirit as your, as your nature instead of a mental, physical nature that's contrived. It's like a wedding or a, like a, a joining together of body and mind, one very matter-oriented and one much more subtle. It's a weird thing, you know, to take yourself to have a body or to be a body and to take yourself to be... To, a, to derive all sense of being something by the body, and yet, when you see all of the bodies, you're a special one, you call it me. Yeah. Even though when I'm seeing everyone, I call it a you, and everyone's having their view of me as a you, and no one's ever going to see me as a me. I'm the only one who sees from this idea of being me. You see me as a you. Every freaking day. And everyone I run into sees me as a you. Why can't I get that? <laughs> Why can't I get that? Why do I stubbornly hold on to the eye? Do you know, I want to beg your pardon. This is me. <laughs> I'm a very special you. You know, the thing is, we're all afflicted with this disease of me. Yeah? We're all yous that are being conscious of, <laughs> and consciousness, and, and facilitating consciousness moving through, yet we call us a me, and that me is the composite of the act of claiming or identifying. It claims the mental processes, it claims the awareness, it claims the body as mine, and it makes up this little bastardized version of me. And it, then it becomes very special, very unique. It can live in a world where no one understands it. No one has the same feelings it has. No one thinks the way it does. No one does the shit, it, uh, the stuff it does. Yet, when you come in the A, if you just listen for a few months, you've got to come to the two conclusions. How do these people, how did they get my thoughts? Yeah. Or my feelings, or my reactions to life, or they're not mine. <laughs> I mean, there's only two possibilities. I've gone to meetings all around the world, and I'll tell you, it's 
if you were in that citadel of specialness, it would be quite threatening to listen to people share because they're sharing what you would call your thoughts. And you're like, how did they get my thoughts? You know what I mean? Without those thoughts being specially yours, the whole story of you gets blown out of the water. The whole story that your whole life is based on, this interpretation of life, it's not your life, it's an interpretation of life, is based on you as being the doer and the haver and the special someone. Yeah. So when you hear people at meetings chair and you go, oh, sounds just like, uh, I, I think that way and I feel that way and I did the exact same thing in a similar situation. And... Uh, <laughs> It, first of all, for me, it broke, it broke the shell of terminal uniqueness that I was in. And you know what? You're so in it, you don't even know you're in it. That's how it, that, that, that's how tricky. See, when you ever had those experiences in recovery, you realize something that you're always in, and you didn't know you were in it. Yeah? That's one example. That's exactly what happens with the self thing. You realize you've been in something that you never knew you were in it. But something happened, the mind breaks out of it, and in that moment of being out of it, it recognizes, Jesus, I was wearing that suit. That's not my skin, that's not who I am. It was something that my mind adapted to. Yeah? I wasn't always that, and therefore I ne- and I'm not always going to be that. That's called the beginning of freedom from the bondage of self. Because if you're not that which is defeating you, you can be free of it. If you take yourself to be that which is defeating you, you'll even be defeated by trying to become free as it. You'll be ultimately defeated every turn because you won't be seeing the real dilemma, which is not, I'm having all these troubles. No, you are the problem. And the reason why there's a solution is you're not the problem. You're truly not the problem. You can't go, though, from the problem to not the problem. You go to admittance of the problem. Yeah, That's what we do by doing inventory processes and making amends. We admit the problem, and we demonstrate that admittance. And by finally admitting it, then we realize I'm not that. When you're trying not to be that, you're that. That's how it gets you. It's like a reverse predator-prey, like in the jungle. It's different. It's not like the predator has the prey. In this case, selfing, or if you want to, I don't like the word ego, and it's not even close really, but let's say selfing. Selfing has your attention and interest, or what you call you, by you moving away from it. By you trying to get from, away from it, get relief from it, you're actually work, you're really getting relief for it. It's a glutton for relief. No matter how much relief you get, it'll just eat it up. And you're trying to get free for it, or as it, the freedom here is from it. Yeah. When you realize you're not that, the first thing the mind, I, from what happened with my mind, the first thing it entertained after it had that realization, hey, I'm not that, is I can be free of it. <laughs> I don't have to therapize it anymore. I don't have to lie for it. I don't have to let my life get smaller and smaller to accommodate it. I can be free of it. Yes, good. Now that's a radical solution to be free from it. And it says it in the book, a couple of places. It's not like it's it's not in there. It's available. You need the eyes and the ears to see and hear it. That's all. So, 
If we go, self is what has to feed us, manifest in all these ways. Well, now I'm going to look at some of its common manifestations. That's the introductory inventory we do in AA. That's what's called Fortson. Resentment, fears, harm does others. You look at your sexual behavior, yeah? Those are manifestations, and those are fields where manifestations occur. The sexual world, with a lot of manifestations of self goes on, yeah? Resentments and fears are manifestations of self. One is, it seems like the resentment is something happened to you. The other way, the fear is pr- producing the perception that there's threats out there. It's the same, it's, a, it's the same saying, but resentments has a, a direction like, somebody did something to me, right? It was a threat, or somebody hurt me, or, you know, blah, 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 like, as if it came outside and it did it. But if you really do a fear inventory, a lot of times you'll have no reason to have the fear. It wasn't an incident that's producing the fear, it's the mind's anxiety that's producing it. Yeah? And that's all from selfing. Yeah? If you have faith in that thought system, of, you know, you have it all day. It's constantly... It's like a radio. Even if it's thrown on the water, it's still on. You know, you hear it. It's still doing the same thing. Yeah. The problem is, if you identify it as it, your ear is glued to it. You're listening to it like it's the Greek oracle. If you're not that, you don't listen to it. You hear it. It's a much different experience. Yeah. Listening is your intent. You're engaged. Hearing is just what's happening, conscious contact. Yeah, much different, much different. So let's say I have faith, and there's no one who doesn't have faith. Everyone is a faith worker here. Yeah, everyone, everybody. And the mind has what we call faith. It has that. So if you have faith in a failed system, which is what it says in the book, why are you in so much fear today? Isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? So self is a failed system. Yes. So if your faith, which is another, you could say it's a reliance, yeah? when your faith is in that failed system, what does that failed system produce with your faith? Anxiety, doesn't it? You're believing thoughts that have no creds whatsoever. Yes. They're the same crazy weatherman that's been forecasting stormy weather since you were young up there. <laughs> and yet, you keep falling for it, in a sense. There's no you falling for it, but the mind keeps falling for it. Why? Because it has faith in it. Why? Because it believes it's about it. Yeah. That's the hook. You, if, if someone comes over your house who's relying on a failed system and likes to talk about it, yeah, you would be bored in a minute. You'd be going, oh, Jesus Christ, I've heard this thousands of times, you know? Yet, you've heard it millions of times in this theater, and you're still paying, <laughs> you're still paying for the ticket. It's like, die hard, 85, you know? <laughs> it just goes on and on and on, doesn't it? Why? Why would you have such wisdom about someone else's little porno theater, yet you're totally indoctrinated in your, the thing is your, it's the being identified, yes? Your interest and attention wouldn't go down these dead roads of the past and the future as much as it does with all these, all these imagined bones down there. It wouldn't go there unless it was, there was a belief it was about you. I swear to God, you would lose interest in it, yeah? You would lose interest in it. 
You want samples of? That's what we do in recovery with service. You do service, what happens? You forget yourself a little bit. Once you forget yourself, you feel pretty good. Yeah, it's almost guaranteed. It works a lot. Yeah. Why is that? It isn't the it isn't a certain kind of service you're doing. It's getting out of oneself. It sort of takes your interest and attention away from this fixation, and you feel better with that lack of fixation. Yeah. The self thing knows how to bounce back from that. It immediately claims the doing of the service and says, "I'm doing service." And then what happens is when it starts saying, I'm doing service, you're going to need to have to do service really soon. (laughs) Because you'll be back in the idea of self again. So the whole point is to get out of self. But if there's no claiming, then the service reveals something to you. One of the biggest aspects is you feel available. You got out of yourself, you feel available. In other words, your interest and attention stuck on this fixated object goes disperses, yeah? And that's the presence of the spirit, is the dispersion of attention and interest. When it's when you're like that's a sense of something that's really powerful. So you do this service, now you feel available, and then people say, Hey, I felt the higher power when I was doing that service. You know, I went to that detox and then I felt the higher power. What's the higher power but the presence? And what's the present but your absence? Like St. Francis says, it's in self-forgetting that you're reborn. So in the forgetting of self, doing the service, you get to remember what you really are. You call it something else, the presence, as if it's a thing out there. I would say that's what we are. We are that presence. The service reveals what we truly are. The dilemma is that habit of identifying with this special me, this little spawn of a mind and a body being put together, is strong. So it keeps going back into the claiming, yes? Oh, I felt this incredible presence. But I bet you while you're sharing that, you don't seem to be feeling it now. Yeah? It's a story once again, yes? I felt this incredible presence last Thursday. But are you feeling it now? If you're feeling it now, you probably won't be talking about last Thursday because it's quite more than enough to be sensing it now. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> Your stories get very d- diminished because you're in it. Yeah? And you're aware that you're in it. And being in it, there's no... It's always being in it. It's not like... There was a better being in it last week, or there's really going to be a great being in it three weeks from now. This is it. And as they say, if you have the psychic change as a result of the steps, what does the steps do? In my view, they just diminish our addiction to that mental process called selfing, and our interest and attention gets freed, and now that interest and attention goes other places, maybe to no places, and it enriches our life, just like it used to uh, imprison us. Same interest and attention. It's just freed from that dead object called you, and now it's in the livingness of it. And if you're really here, you don't have much memory, you know. Because uh, there are all these things happening, events, 
and experiences during the day. But if your single eye is on the context that's always happening, that's not an experience that you can have a memory of because it's here now. You can't remember it because it's <laughs> it's here. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's no need to remember it because it's here. That's the beauty of it. So uh, the particulars of the day don't mean as much because you're in the spirit of the day. Yeah? You're like you're traveling lighter. And then there's an unbroken like moment. We, we partition it with day and night and sleep and eat and this and that. But in fact, the basic raw, uh, the basic bottom line of, of this place is awareness. Yeah? And it's always there. So if the mind starts resting on that, it tends to travel lighter all, uh, through all the particulars because it's, it caught, it's caught a much bigger wave, yeah? Not a shore break, but a wave that started way, 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 and just slowly, 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 slowly rolling, yeah? So you're, you're on a much longer, bigger wave, and you get that sense of it, yeah? And there's a momentum behind it also. It, as of anything, if you've seen a wave that's left Japan and then hits the coast here, it builds from the swell, it builds, it moves and just keeps going, yeah? And that's sort of what it's like. So, the days and the years don't mean so much anymore, but the moment is very valuable, yeah? The moment that you're in. This is where you're investing. You're not at the ATM taking money out from the past or putting more money in for this fearful future. You're actually engaged in the commerce of conscious contact. You're conscious and then you're on. You're living. <laughs> it's a much different story than interpreting. Yeah. Much more rewarding. It's not always fun, but it's rewarding because you're on. Yeah. So, if you see the root of the problem, if you ever hear of Buddhism, you know, Buddhism. Buddhism, uh, in structured Buddhism, they talk about the four, the fourfold, uh, the four noble truths, which is, you know, what's the cause of all suffering, desire, yeah? And they say, all right, well, what's, what's needed, what, to get relief from suffering, uh, well, you gotta break out of desire, in a sense, yeah? And then they go, okay, eightfold noble path. So it's like the Buddhist twelve steps, in a weird way, right? So the eightfold noble path. And it's just like, the, it's in a way, you can look at it the way we look at AA. The first step is there because it precedes the second step. And there's a certain process that, go, that you go through. If you try to skip from one step to like, if you try to start making amends when you're on the first step, it probably won't work, yes? But when, if you go all the way through the first eight steps, then the amends may really work because you've gone through a process, yeah? The mind has changed a lot by doing the steps. So here in Buddhism, there's the Eightfold Noble Path, and the first one is Right View. Yeah? And then all the other seven ones, are each one of them is preceded by the word Right. Yeah? So the Right goes through all the Eightfold things. So there's Right Meditation, Right Livelihood, Right Understanding. Yeah? But if you, take, if you look at it, just like the first step is so important in AA, yeah? the Right View is what causes the right to, to, to transmigrate into the right meditation, the right livelihood, the right understanding. And the view of Buddha, well, Buddhism was the right view was anatta, an old word in Pali. And anatta means non-self. Yeah. 
So like St. Francis says, it's in self-forgetting, yes, then you're reborn. Non-self is the Buddha's take that there is no long-lasting independent separate entity. It's a story in the mind, yes, a way to organize this place in its interpretive little scheme. And uh, some aspect of us, I would say a large, the the only aspect of us, seems to... uh, uh, allow suffering to occur in this ignorance. Yeah? So if you forget your nature and take yourself to be another nature, you're now going to probably live and suffer the consequences those other natures suffer from, like the body. Yes, You're not going to play, maybe, I'm not going to dunk probably in my life. Yeah, I can't reach 12 feet. You're going to live in a lot of limitation. Yes? If you take yourself to be the thinker of the thoughts, every thought you'll claim to be yours, and you'll have thousands of opinions will be will come off of that saying they're good and bad, I shouldn't know these, I can't share with anyone. And then it's all claiming and all uh, separating and, and storing and dumping it on others, yes? Way too much stuff being claimed. All this processing, you're the doer, you're the habit, you're the thinker, you're the mover and the shaker, way too much. This is sort of freedom from that. But not as the self, but from it. You you see that maybe what precedes the self, I am. And what comes after that I am, I'm not. Maybe that's a clear way of looking at it. So what precedes the self... I am, and what follows that I am, I'm not. Instead of taking myself to be something that I'm not, which immediately becomes a denial of what I am. For this to be so, I have my mind has to make that not to be so. That's why people don't run into spirit. They don't run into God. They don't feel they don't feel what's everywhere. (laughs) Because they're in a special somewhere. Their minds are addicted to being the false I am, yeah? which is I was and I will be, really. That's its world, is I was and I will be. The I am is different. Yeah? So, the, what, I, what precedes me is that I am, and what precedes F, what follows the I am, follows after the I am, I'm not. It's like putting the cart before the horse, and you may travel a lot later. You'll lose interest, like it says in recovery, you'll lose interest in yourself and your little plans and designs, you'll gain interest in others. All of these are is like the evacuation of your interest and attention from a failed system and having it become free range in a way, where it's directed by a, a wise source, and now your interest and attention goes to what may enrich you, or may enrich others, or may enrich both, which is usually the case. Yeah? Instead of it's into that black hole of selfing, where you put so much interest and attention in it, and what do you get back from it? Anxiety, vanity, super inappropriate concern. You get topo- topographical maps of making molehills into mountains. On and on and on and on and on. Of course you're going to want relief. Yeah? Of course you're going to drink or do something. If it's not drinking, it'll be something else. You'll leak out everywhere. Because the same situation's in place. You're agitated. You're unhappy. You're dissatisfied. And you know what? You can bring anything in front of you and believe it and hope in it. But if it doesn't deliver the goods, you'll probably go back to what 
you believed it, you know, getting loaded. I swear. So, to me, that inherent disease or discomfort, its its best antidote is comfort and ease. <laughs> really. <laughs> Not, I shouldn't be discomfortable. Oh, no, but just actually chilled out. Yeah. <laughs> now you're satisfied. And you may think a lot of, you not think, you may feel a lot of the day that it's more than enough. You know? That it's just, it's just fine as it is. <laughs> what can I do for someone else? You know? And a lot of times what you can do for someone else is leave them alone. Life's the best teacher, really. I mean, <laughs> I can't. Sometimes you do someone a real disservice by trying to save them. You know, if they're hell bent on going there, far out, let them go. You made it back, didn't you? You made it through. Why? Why don't you trust the process? Yeah. I had a, it seemed to me, I had to get my ass royally kicked, and a lot of people, oh, we don't want to see Paul die, well, but if I didn't hang over the edge, I may not have gotten it, so, yeah, and I didn't die, so. So, yeah, so if you look at the steps from the point of view of, uh, like it says, there's a part in the book, it says, you know, the, the daily reprieve, is contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. It's a nice statement, yeah? It's the day at a time. So our daily reprieve is contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Okay? Alright. So let's say we don't we're not clear about that we're in this thing called identification of self. So we're not actually taking ourselves to be a spiritual condition. We're taking ourselves to be a mental physical condition. Yeah? We are. We're taking ourselves to be the mind, the conditional mind, and the body. That's what we're taking ourselves to be. And so starting there, it's going to be a lot of work to try to produce a spiritual condition for the mind and the body. Because the mind is in the mental realm, and the body's in the physical realm. It's not really, quote-unquote, a spiritual condition. Yeah? It's a physical, mental condition. Yeah? So when the physical and mental condition is in place... There's usually a lot of work to try to stay somewhat quote unquote spiritual. Yeah? And it's usually a losing deal. Because it just overwhelms you. You may have a real good spiritual veneer, but then you act out one day and then you're then you have shame and you blame yourself and a lot of that, yeah? And now the physical and mental are dominant again. Yes? The the basic uh fail safe is not spiritual condition, it's body mental condition. But what would happen is, if that you're not the physical or the mental condition, yeah, I'm not saying what you are, but you're not that, then you may find out that you are a spiritual condition already. If you are a spiritual condition, that's the best form of maintenance. <laughs> the best form of maintenance of a spiritual condition is to be a spiritual condition. You can't maintain it at a higher level than that. You can't be another condition and maintain a spiritual condition higher than being a spiritual condition. I don't give a damn what you do. You can spend 18 hours meditating, but if you're meditating from the point of being a mental, physical condition, someone who's just awake as not physical or mental is probably in a much uh, clearer position than the person that's vigilant and working in tons of techniques. 
because they're not fooled by the physical mental condition. Even though the mind and goes back constantly to itself and to the body, you're not that which goes back to the body and mind. You do not lose your nature. Yeah? All it is is that the mind forgets it. You don't lose it. It's always available at all times. Yeah? So we're not trying to say, remember this nature, the spiritual nature. We're going to go with, like St. Francis says, let's forget the physical and mental nature. Not forget by shooting dope and disassociating. That's, that's not forgetting it. That's a mental denial of it, which is doesn't work. But let's forget that we're a mental and physical condition, and we may find out that the spiritual condition is on. Yeah? And that's the daily reprieve, is that healthy spiritual condition. And I, I, would, I would hazard, well, I would say that the spiritual condition is healthy. <laughs> it doesn't become unhealthy. What becomes unhealthy is the mental and the physical conditions. The spiritual condition doesn't become unhealthy. The mental, we're trying to apply the rules and the ideas we have coming from the physical and mental onto the spiritual. Yeah? I think it's a bad move. The spiritual don't play that game, in a sense. It doesn't. It doesn't have lack of health. Yeah? <laughs> the spirit doesn't need therapy. The mental process needs its therapy, and the physical maybe it got hurt. But the spirit doesn't need therapy. <laughs> it's, it's beyond therapy. Yeah? It's so. Yeah? It's being. It's not here to complete anything or to achieve or to accumulate or to uh, arrive at, yes, or realize. It's already that. Yeah? It's a complete system. I would say it's centered, not self-centered. Self-centered is an incomplete system, totally incomplete, because self can never be what it's saying it can be, which is you. It just can't do it. So it's a, it's a system that's inherently incomplete and will never not be incomplete. That's why it's agitated all the time. Yeah? What would happen if your attention and interest moved to a system that is complete and at rest? It's not a time, it's, try, it's not trying to go anywhere. Yeah? It's called being. <laughs> being. <laughs> it's not called be, it's called being. So it's, it's on, but it ain't on to become more on. Yeah? By morons, <laughs> it's on because it's on. That's its nature. But I would say it's a completeness. So it's more about expressing than achieving. Yeah. And this is what happens if you get if your interest and attention leaves this preoccupation with this dead idea of you. It may really get enlivened by what it can entertain about what's actually going on. Yeah. It may give you the ability to walk through things you would never imagine you could walk through because you're walking lighter through everything. Like they say in AA, you put down the rock. The rock is you, and that's why it seems like, how can I put down the rock? And you admit that it's you, and and then it's revealed not to be you, and that's putting down the rock. And if it ain't about you, you'll walk away. You won't look back when the siren starts singing. I want to be there when it gets good. Just leave it behind. It has nothing to do with you, really. It's just a dead system. Yapping and yapping and yapping. 
It's so used to having your interest and attention, it hasn't upgraded at all for years. It does the same thing every day, same loop. What if? What does? Really, if you wrote, if you had journals like when you were 12, in a sense, the same stuff your mind's preoccupied with now is preoccupied then. Maybe a different form, maybe it's your job now, but it's the same preoccupation. Nothing has changed in the mental realm. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. This is a... We're not trying to get out of it or kill it. We're just forgetting it. Not denying it, which doesn't work, but forgetting it. A very helpful forgetting by being attentive to uh, something else. Because this is not me. It's not about me anymore. How could it be about me if it's about all these other me's? Yeah? Are there a thousand me's? The whole idea of me is that there's only one. How can there be thousands of me's? Because it isn't. It's there's thousands of you's that have alcoholism. And each one of them thinks they are me. And that's the root of the alcoholism. <laughs> you can be right in the perfect diagnosis, but if you think it's me, you think, hey, I, I don't have that. <laughs> it, keeps, it produces a strange immunity to a lot of help, you know. So there is a solution. If the solution easy, you haven't drank today, so it's working on that level. But the real root of the problem is the obsession with self. You know how they break the disease into two things by Dr. Silkworth in the one of the forwards. He talked about the allergy of the body. And now the allergy of the body has been handled by all of us, right? If you don't put alcohol in the body, the allergy doesn't kick in. That's easy. Yeah. So the day you stop drinking, you were freed from the allergy. But the mental obsession is different. That's the active uh, ingredient of the disease. Yeah. The other, the allergy is a proactive ingredient. It has to be brought about by drinking. But this is active. Yeah. The mental obsession. So the relief of the twelve steps are about that. Yeah. Not drinking has already worked, but then you get to see the real a- aspect of the disease, which is the agitation of mind, yes, constantly, and playing God and controlling all that. So there's a lot of attributes you'll find out, but it usually can be put under the, the banner of playing God. Yeah? When you see that, yeah, that's what the steps do. They, they illuminate that, so you see the beast or the parasite, yeah? When you see the parasite, hopefully it'll hit you that to see the parasite, you can't be this parasite. You know, you can't, you can't, like the eye ain't going to see itself while it's seeing you. So if you see the parasite or the workings of the parasite, and all the parasite's doing is just this stream of thoughts and interpretations and claiming, but they're used to point at or infer a phantom you, yeah? A bastardized thing called me, the, meaning the mind and the body, as being Paul. That's all it's doing. That's what the thoughts. One of the main things of the thought system is is to is to reinforce the the identification as self. Yeah. So when you see, let's say you start very simply. Okay, these thoughts are freaking driving me crazy. I listen to a lot of people share them. I realize, hey, they're not my thoughts. They're alcoholic thoughts. I bet you you'll get relief when you stop calling your thoughts alcoholic thoughts. You'll get some relief. Yeah. 
Why? Because it's, it works. So what happens, all right? Let's take your father. Maybe that, see, so they're alcoholic thoughts. And then you realize, well, then all the thoughts, in a sense, are not mine either, yeah? So now I just have a thought. I don't, they're not mine, yeah? The act of being identified as the thinker is what causes them to be yours, or makes them appear to be yours, yeah? Once they're yours, you've got to do something with them. They're yours, yeah? <laughs> you can't seem to let them go because they're yours. They've got to be thought about or go over and gone over and ruminated and like this. I'm saying, man, I've seen it. I've seen it in my own life a lot, and I've seen it with others. What would happen if the my that precedes the thought, which is a mental activity, my, was dropped out and it was just a thought? I'm telling you, you'd travel lighter with that radio station blaring. You'd be hearing it, but you wouldn't be listening to it. Yeah? Maybe you'd still buy the, you know, the old and gold things when it runs it, yeah? But after a while, you'd need to outgrow them. You'd have an immunity, a real reliable immunity to the disease of alcoholism. Because you wouldn't be taking alcohol thoughts as yours, you wouldn't be taking your thoughts as yours. Yeah? You just see them just like you've always seen them. Yeah? Just like I'm seeing everything right now. I really believe this is what worked for me. The game board I was on, there was like some missing squares, the first squares. So I always started from square number four, yeah? And nothing made sense. Then when the, the other squares were revealed, that made sense. It became my last answer, you know? I haven't had a new answer in like, I don't know how many years. And when this dawned on me, I had a download about it, I've been sharing about it for years now in recovery. I haven't changed my tune one bit in 24 years. <laughs> Why? Why would I? Why would I want to get into the particulars when the particulars are dependent on the blueprint? You know, why would I want to... Yeah, it's great to have plans of how to get out of a burning house, but if you get to the blueprint room, the house is never built, and you never move in. That's much quicker to me. Yeah. So AA shows us the principles of the disease. If you can identify with that, yeah, you can take all your consequential activity and bring them to these certain principles, like any life on itself will, will hardly be a success. You probably have tons of experiences with that. Or self is what has defeated us. Or this or that, right? Resentments are the number one killer. Then, all right, once you bring it to the principles of the disease, they indicate right there steps to do. Yeah? Once you go to the principles of the solution, now things are cooking. Yeah? But this is how to read the tea leaves. Everyone comes and shares about the particulars, about what happened. But what's the pattern? Why does that keep happening? Yeah? It's just one example of hundreds of examples of the same stream or the same theme. Let's get back to the first few notes instead of harping on how it sounds when it's happened. Yeah, Let's go back and see what precedes this. Like it says in AA, a lot of times they'll say, hey, you know, sometimes people will uh, hurt you without provocation. But we invariably find 
that if we look at it, that we made a decision based on self to be, be put in a position to be heard. That's following the mouse back to its hole. That's tying a string back to its hole. Instead of talking about what the mess the mouse is making and the mouse always comes, because you get invested in that story. The mouse becomes important in your life. Yeah? But let's get on with that and go back to the hole. See where it comes from. When you see where it comes from, you can catch it. Yeah. So, to me, there are very sound principles about the disease and there are sound principles about the solution. The principles aren't the solution. The solution is you, the spiritual condition. The solution is mine. Yeah? The principles just allow that solution to get some airtime, so to speak, in our days. Yeah? So when the, when the radio station goes off, you ever hear those emergency things, they usually have a sound. This is like no sound happens. A pause occurs. That's when the real message is coming through. That's what to pay attention to, is when the pause occupies the airwaves. Yeah? Because the pause leads you to it. There's no it, but it's that. The pause is a... Is a is a free sample of what's available, which is that spiritual awareness, yeah? to be conscious of no thingness, to be conscious of what can be sensed but never seen, yes? What can be intimated yet never, never, never embraced, really. But you can intimate it because you're under its embrace, in a way, yeah? There's no need to, like people say in a lot of recovery meetings, I've got to change. But really, all you need is to be willing to change. You're going to be doing a program that you're under some changes. Yeah? They're not, you don't have, and what's called upon you to do is just usually uh, stems out of the changes that are occurring by just doing the steps. Yeah? And then maybe you'll change where you live or who you see and this and that. Yes? But... The idea isn't that I've got to be willing to change everything. I just have to be willing to change. Yeah? It's disengage from you being the boss of changing things, but be willing to change. Yeah? And if you are, and the only truth in that is by doing the steps and doing service and commitments, no stories is, says that you're willing to change. It's an action. When you're willing to change, you'll be put under an incredible change that works unbelievably, on alcoholism. It just does. It's a perfect system. It's like a soup mix. It doesn't fail. If you put in a certain ingredients, it's going to distill all the alcoholism out of you. Yeah. I'm telling you, it works. So, yeah. So now the air gets rarefied, yeah, they can sense presence. That's the message, right? That's like, uh, there's no need more for any more validation than that, but the sense of that space, yeah. yeah. So you have any questions? Oh, good. No. <laughs> I'm supposed to end my you know, like, just, these are seed assignments like you have a seed assignment now no I mean in life so you have a seed assignment your seed assignment now is you got getting sober yeah we're all in that basic uh, 
like say auditorium, we're all on that seat assignment up AA. But everyone has their own little musical chair, so you get moved around, the music comes on, and your seat assignment changes. Yeah? But we're all basically in the same auditorium, which is AA, which is great. Because AA is a pretty large platform. You can really be a free-range alcoholic, really. All you do is find out the certain things you can't cross. There's certain things that the way you're built, if you cross them, it will excite the alcoholism or the parasite. So if it's sort of like having a like a big dog, yeah, that you used to that you used to have in your house. Now most of your time was spent cleaning up after it, feeding it, walking it. You know, excusing his behavior to others because it's very unruly fucking dog. Like that move, that lousy movie, Marley and Me, about the crazy dog. What's his name? That, you know. Alright? Now, that's alcoholism. Now, for some of us, alcoholism is asleep. The dog's asleep. Yeah? Now you got the run of the house. But if the dog wakes up, you won't. Yeah? And you learn over the years what things that you could do that will wake up that dog. Or, uh, let's just say, mental streams you could entertain, like acting out, or becoming dishonest, or drinking, like that. And that when that dog wakes up, all hell breaks loose, yeah? And then I don't care how lofty a thinker you were, you're going to be being dragged around by that dog wherever it wants to go. And we know where that goes, you know? And for me, it's, you know, institution, jails, and death. That's where I go, inevitably, yeah? So... If you find out that, have some integrity based on actually what works. You live that in integrity. You keep the space open, and then the mind can entertain. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's pass the basket. Record this. Thank you.